Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Nehemiah 420, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And I'm here to tell you that this is Coach Shelby, Coach Shaw, who's got a little hacking going on over in the corner. And we have Coach Cook over here to my left. And we're here to bring you a word of the Lord. We're here to encourage you. We are the coaches for Christ. And uh, we know that we're talking to some other coaches. And we just want to fellowship for about 30 minutes and encourage you in the word of the Lord that uh, the trumpet is already blown. It's already sounded. The alarm is already sounded. And uh, if you hadn't heard it, it's because you had your earmuffs on. <laughs> well, praise God. I thought that was funny. Something, <laughs> something like earmuffs. The best part of the trumpet is the second guy who comes in with like a much more feminine-sounding trumpet. I, I saw. I saw. I might, if y'all are listening out there, if this makes it out there, I saw somebody with literal earmuffs on, and it just... It was funny. I meant to say earplugs, and I please. said earmuffs, and I saw them. So anyway, praise God for me. Please, you know, go ahead. Please give us a comment or something <laughs> on Facebook or whatever if we need to do that. A different intro is all I'm saying. I thought it was pretty good. Man. I got I outvoted it. on the trumpet yeah. and the whatever the second part was. Let me let me read this. To, uh, you people out there probably will understand this a little better. Coach Shaw's a little slow on this. Nehemiah four twenty. Let me say it again. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet. Rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Hey, that's just to remind us that you're either fighting or you're already a slave. And I don't want to be a slave, so I need to hear the trumpet every once in a while, praise God, to remind me to battle, to pray. Uh, Coach Cook talks about praying all the time, so uh, this is prime time. We should be praying. We should be, that's where the victory is won. Amen? So, amen. amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So what's funny is... um... Coach Shelby's doing this with the trumpet and all that stuff, but the topic I've been talking with the kids the most is in Ezekiel 33. And for those who aren't familiar with that, it, I'm going to read a, a couple out here, but it's basically about blowing the trumpet and sounding the alarm when we see the enemy coming. Amen. Well, so, it, you know, Holy Spirit works in a lot of ways here, but um, just to read here at the beginning, uh, Ezekiel 33, it's, it's titled in my NLT Bible as Israel's Watchman. And uh, it says, once again, a message came to me from the Lord, son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against a country, the people of that land choose one of their own to be a watchman. When the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then, if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their own fault if they die. They heard that alarm but ignored it, so the responsibility is theirs. And so basically, we kind of take that with Coach for Christ because it is our responsibility to be the watchman on the wall. And we're the watchman, in a sense, for these kids at these schools. And try to talk to the kids about pointing out each other, being accountable to each other, and making sure that we are calling out sin as we see it. And it's no different than when we call out someone for skipping a rep or uh, missing um, a lap, whatever they're doing to shortcut something. We hold each other accountable, as Christians are supposed to. And so that's what I've been talking about with the kids a lot, Ezekiel 33, and it's real clear. I mean, and it tells us we are to call out sin as we see it, and that's our responsibility as coaches to call out these kids for what we see as wrong, the attitudes, the um, 
way that they go about their life, their their tone, their voice, their attitude, anything like that. And it's our job to call that stuff out. And um, go, kind of going back, and I mentioned this, I think, in the first podcast, but the, the first um, last year, I used to be one of those. I used to be a DC a long time and before I stepped down this year, but I, I, I was one of those. I had my packet ready, the AD packet. I was ready to send it in and all this stuff. And I wrote this one real long blog, and I thought it was pretty good. And from a worldly sense, it was pretty good because it was talking about creating champions in life um, without, you know, necessarily winning on the football field. And it was a long, thought-out blog. I thought I was going to become a blogger. All of a sudden, it was one time, but that was pretty much all I had. But um, And it was real good. I don't know how long it was, but I showed it to Coach Shelby, and he kind of pointed it out. Everyone else I talked to is like, man, this is great. It's good stuff, whatever. And like I said, from a worldly perspective, it was. But Coach Shelby read it, and he's like, yeah, that's good, but it's missing something. And it was. It was missing Jesus. It was missing repentance. It was missing the blood. Um, because we can be good, and we can build character, and we can build good young men, but without Jesus, repentance, the blood, none of it's going to matter. It's all going to fall apart. And I talked about that with the kids in junior high today, you know, as well as with Ezekiel 33 and the Watchmen, but Psalm 127, I believe it's Psalm 127. You know, we build stuff. We talk about building stuff on the rock a lot, but Psalm 127, if you don't build your house with the Lord's approval, uh, if you build your marriage without the Lord's approval, it's all going to come tumbling down. He has to be a part of everything you're doing or else there's no blessing in it. And so many times we try to pick our own decisions, pick our own ways, uh, do our own thing, and then ask the Lord to bless it. And that's not how he works. And there's so much with that that, you know, we correlate so much of this to athletics and life and Christianity. It all ties together, and there's a reason it all ties together because this profession we're in, we're in such a position to impact these kids that way. And um, that's really what's been on my mind this last week or so. And because we have a responsibility, we are the watchmen on the wall, and the kids are in our city. And if we're not doing our job, then the sin, their sins and their lives, and when they face that white throne judgment, it's on us. It's not on them. Uh, if we do our job and what we're supposed to do, then it falls on them. And they're not always going to work out right away, but, you know, we might we might do all this work for thousands of kids and we might not ever see any of them saved personally, but that doesn't mean they're not saved somewhere someday. Right. So um, that's what's been on my mind. So so basically, back to where we started with the intro, <laughs> he goes, did y'all notice that, now we didn't plan this, it's pretty obvious to y'all, I'm pretty sure, um, but... We start out with the trumpet, we laugh at the trumpet, we go into earmuffs, and then I'm giving you Nehemiah 420, and then John goes to Ezekiel, which is another type of sound in the alarm. Mm -hmm. And Sunday, I ministered on Isaiah 58 that says that, uh, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Mm -hmm. And God is speaking through Isaiah saying to speak the truth. And the thing about a trumpet is, um, is it's, it's got a distinct sound that wouldn't be mistaken. You wouldn't mistake a trumpet for a dog bark, for a cat's meow. <laughs> I don't want to go into all something weird again, but the bottom line is this. You wouldn't mistake the true gospel, okay? You wouldn't do that. If you're preaching the gospel, people are going to know it. Let me tell you how they're going to know it because there will be an anointing on it. They may not be able to put their finger on it, but there's something different, and I can't tell you how many times that I've been told, and not, I don't even want to go there, 
but because this is about Jesus Christ. But, you know, there's something different. You, you got some strange things about you or whatever, but there's something different. You know something. You talk about the Holy Spirit like he's a person, in which he is, by the way. And so the trumpet makes a distinct sound, and it was used for different things in Israel, uh, even to declare war. And there was a certain way to do it. Well, there's a certain way to do this, to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are watchmen on the wall. And it is our responsibility to speak. And the Bible says in there, and I'm sure that John or, or Tommy are going to go in that in a minute, maybe, maybe not. I don't know, as the Holy Spirit leads. But if we don't sound the alarm, if you guys are coaches and you're listening or whatever you are, wherever you work, you know what I mean by coaches doesn't mean you have to coach a literal team. But if you don't sound the alarm and the people are taken by surprise or they're taken to judgment, which is not going to happen, but I just want to say what the Lord says, their blood will be on your hands because you heard this podcast. Their blood will be on your hands because we are all called to proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ. Every one of us are. But if you proclaim the goodness of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen from the dead, and you're preaching repentance, if you're preaching that and they, they choose to go astray, then their blood will be required at their own hands. So it's not like we're looking out for ourselves. We're doing this because God has saved us and freely we receive, so freely we give. But on the other hand, it is a command from God that we are to give, lest we be accountable for not. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to question the, the, the fact that, again, this teaching's not for that. If a person's not sharing their faith, as we said in one of our other podcasts, do they really have any faith? Are, are you really strong enough to box up, hoard up, stuff God in the closet and tell him he can't come out? Really? You know, I have to ask those kind of weird questions. I know that there's people at different levels of their walk. And there's sometimes Christian, uh, kindergarten Christians, and sometimes they're seniors in high school. I get that. But nevertheless, I've never met a kindergartner or an elementary kid that loved Jesus that wouldn't talk about him just about anywhere. And Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a child, You'll never see the kingdom of God. And he said that if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, that you'd be better off if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were cast into the sea. Can I, can I tell y'all as, as I'm going to pass this off, what, what putting a millstone around your neck, what, what will cause that? Denying, uh, let, let me say, let me, how, how did I say this? Not proclaiming the goodness of God, not preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. You see, when we're talking about a, a child stumbling, it's not necessarily that, and you shouldn't do these things about abuse, but the ultimate form of abuse is withholding the word of truth. For the Bible tells us that to raise them up in the ways of the Lord, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. We have a way to raise up a generation that loves God because they're given to us by God, our children, as gifts, and we're trusted as stewards with the word of God to sow it into their lives that when they grow up, that, that family trees would be completely changed, that the curse would be broken, that people would be born again and saved, that there would be a new, a new day, a new hour of people who love the Lord. And it's our job to teach that. And if we don't teach that, their blood is, you know, man, I never even seen it that way till just this second. You talking about the watchman on the wall? <laughs> we got people thinking about protecting their cities, protecting their towns. Good. What about protecting your children? You won't even jump up on a chair in your house and talk to your son. You won't even lay your hands on his, on his head and bless him when he goes to bed and speak the name of Jesus. You want to talk about being a watchman on a wall? How about daddies becoming the men that they're supposed to be in their home? And how about these people who claim to care us 
so much about kids. Oh, we get in this profession because of kids, because it certainly is not for money is what they tell us. Mm. And, and we got the evidence to back that up. Mm-hmm. So do we really care about kids? Do we really care about kids? Is, our, is, is the few dollars that we make worth more than them going to the kingdom of God, if that's what the comparison was? Is that what it is? We have no excuse. We're the watchmen on the wall. We're the watchmen on the wall. Guys, none of this was planned. I want y'all to know that. Yeah, I want to speak about the role of uh, kids in all this. Uh, we've spoke a little bit about how uh, we speak to the kids, whether it's through Bible study or at the end of a workout. And that's necessary. Uh, real quick, Coach Shelby, you just mentioned it, how I, mean, I've, I've, I was guilty of this a lot. So I understand uh, if you're in this situation right now, but people may think in a public school that the name of Jesus is on some level equivalent to like an inappropriate word Mm -hmm. because they're so scared to speak it, this idea of, of being offensive. And if you know anything about who the person, who the person of Jesus was and is, um, He's, he's love more than anything. So if you love your own children, if you love your student-athletes, if you love the kids in your class, you can't be thinking from a fear mindset. The enemy works in the spirit of fear. You need to understand that speaking about Jesus is going to open doors. Um, some of them challenging, but it'll open doors not just to you, but also to your kids. Um, so start with that, making sure that uh, you are not trying to go around the person and the name of Jesus. Um, I was guilty of that, and I'll make sure that uh, this year and, and going forward, I don't do that in my teaching and coaching career. Um, but, but that's an important important note, just to make sure that uh, Jesus' name is proclaimed, uh, that it's a source of pride, not a, a source of shame, right? And the gospel tells us that if we're ashamed to speak his name, okay, that will be reciprocated. So just to take pride in the name of Jesus, um, now, more in a more concrete level about the role of kids, um, we've shared in past kind of how, how we have led, but I think there's a really important role when we're talking about raising children and their role in this. Um, two things came to mind recently that, that we've had going on at school, and it's really just been an opportunity we presented to the kids, but they've taken it wholeheartedly and just done an incredible job. Um, actually, before this at school, I was just telling the kids how proud I am of them because of of their role uh, in the body of Christ and what they've done. So first, uh, we had uh, the track team go down to uh, Fort Worth, and they had the opportunity to um, go feed the homeless and then also to share the gospel and to pray with um, people who are homeless or living in the streets or living in tent cities downtown. And it's just incredible how... It's a two-way street. Uh, these high school kids are blessing people who are in really hard times and praying with people who are living on the streets. And then also you hear the high schoolers at the end of this incredible experience talk about how much they learned from the people on the street. There's somebody who uh, recited the entire book of Jude from memory. And there's just other simple examples of people who are on, on real hardships, but just you have two people who are seemingly on opposite ends of the of the world a 16 year old in in high school in a small town interacting with somebody who's 40 50 years old and homeless living on the streets um but these kids 
didn't have to go, wasn't mandatory. It was just an uh, opportunity we presented to them. It's just incredible how you find out how kids are just eager to learn about Mm -hmm. Jesus in action. And I'm like, uh, when that happened, I was like, wow, we need more of this because the kids did such a good job. Mm -hmm. It was just really incredible to see. Um, And the second thing is uh, we just take one day out of week, one day out of the week and track. And that day is uh, just for God and just for the body of Christ, just for us to talk about our faith. And so our meets are on Thursday. So on Friday we do that. And uh, throughout the week, the kids have accountability partners. So it's usually just in pairs. Um, They're supposed to read together and make sure the other person's reading. And then also so they can talk about what they've read and what the Holy Spirit put on their heart. Um, And then on Friday, it all comes together. We'll read some, but usually it's, I'd say 80% of the students speaking and then 20% of coaches because the kids talk about when I read James chapter one, here's what the Holy Spirit put on my heart. Here's how I apply that in my high school life. And then that just leads into a discussion about kids saying, yeah, I'm struggling with this sin or this is a challenge in my life or somebody's sick and they need prayers. And, and just on a practical level, you learn a lot about your kids really quick because those conversations can get pretty deep. Um, but then also, for me, it's such an eye-opener because I think, man, this 15-year-old is teaching me a lot about God right now. And everybody grows from the experience. So um, it's so important that we make sure we realize that we do sound the trumpet, um, that we are playing our role as a watchman on the wall. And the last, last thing I'll note is if you reference Psalm 127 or Ezekiel 33, um, this idea of a watchman and blowing the trumpet, that's just the start that signifies there needs to be an army to back it up. You blow the trumpet and there's no army. You're blowing it for nothing. So we have our role as, as leaders, but then the kids are the army. So you need to make sure the kids are actively participating. And that's obviously not a forceful thing, but the more opportunities you present, um, the Holy spirit will continue to grow the body of Christ. And you'd be really surprised, um, what these high school kids will do with, with opportunities to grow closer to Christ. So just make sure you pray for those opportunities. Cause I had no idea we'd be feeding the homeless a couple months ago, but just through prayer, the Holy spirit opened doors and, and, and all the kids were, were there. And so, um, just remember we're blowing the trumpet, but then the kids are the army and they're the body of Christ. And it's our responsibility to help them grow in that, in that role. You know, they just real quick and John take this, but, as you're sitting there talking, you know, blowing the trumpet in Nehemiah, they said, you know, that our God will fight for us. You know, if we're just willing to step up, man, and just make a noise. I mean, when I, I'm talking about any noise. We've done discuss that. But God's going to show us, because some of them are going like, I don't know what to do. I don't even know. Well, first thing to do is just stop being ashamed of the word of God. That's the very first thing to do is just start sharing Jesus. You know, and no matter how small it is, there's nothing too small. I mean, a mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, but it grows up as one of the largest plants and the birds of the air come find shelter in it on its little branches, you know, and it's so, um, start somewhere, start with a Bible on your desk, start with, um, having the kids come together and just having them to, to talk about the things of the Lord. And, you know, I, I remember when God called me to preach the gospel, he said, take me with you everywhere that you go. And I was in a big school and I, I didn't understand it. It kind of scared me. So I understand some people listening. And I said, in my mind, I said, Lord, I don't know what to say. He said, you know more than what they know. Share what I'm doing in your life. 
You know, if it's about Jesus Christ, now I will want to caution that. We have to, Jesus has to be right. If Jesus is wrong, the rest of it will be wrong. Jesus must be right. We must understand that he's the perfect, sinless lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. We must understand that he is the way. There is no other way. There's no denominational way. There, there's no sacraments that'll get you there. There's no psychology that'll get you there. It is an intimate relationship with Christ coming to him in repentance and, and asking him to sit upon the throne of your heart as the son of the living God and to lead you into all truth and righteousness. There is no other way. There's a lot of teaching out there in the world today. Oh, build a better you, be a better person. Let's do character lessons, all this stuff. That's great. I just assume you treat me right if you're headed to hell. But the bottom line is, make no mistake, if it's not an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, you are headed to hell. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that, but I have to. I have to sound the alarm. Like I said, I have to be plain and clear according to the word of God. John 14, 6, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is absolutely no other way, nothing else you can do except put your trust and faith in him, in him alone. And that faith will cause the spirit of God to move in you, to circumcise your heart, to give you a new desire. And if you'll just ask him, he'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost and he'll begin to empower you for service. And you'll be just like the Apostle Paul. Within a few days, you'll be telling the world what happened to you. And if you ain't telling nobody, once again, I just don't think you're strong enough to lock my God up in a closet and say, stay there. I just don't think you are. Mm -hmm. So we've got other things going on. We've got a great deception in our nation. Yeah. We're teaching Jesus, who spells his name just like Jesus. Mm -hmm. My Jesus comes in power. Demons bow their knee at the presence of God and the word of God, the name of God, the spirit of God. But the Holy Spirit only moves within the parameters of what he said. Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen from the dead. He moves no other parameters. Anything else is probably a demonic imitation. And you need to be careful with that. It's a demonic imitation. You've got people now. Praise God. I'll yeah, just stop that's, right there. It's funny. Um, I'm sitting over here thinking the whole time about how I'm going to talk about how Satan's the master manipulator and his lies and deceit fool all of us all over the world, everything. And Coach Shelby talks about that. None of that was planned. We didn't talk about that at all. And that's the... That's the biggest thing is my kids over here in the window. We got fans in the <laughs> windows, fellas. It's all right. <laughs> um, but I know for me personally, because this was the first year, part of last year, but this is the first year I've really kind of kick-started my walk with what I'm supposed to do. And just a couple of quick things. Coach Cook talking about, you know, that there is one thing, it doesn't matter what your class is like, I have found when you speak about Jesus, about Scripture, all the kids will be quiet. And pay attention. It just happens. History class, you know, it comes up about religion or persecution of religion, something like that with the Constitution, whatever. But there's always an opportunity, it seems like. And when you do that, boy, those kids lock in. So we know that that's on their heart, number one. So I'm trying to speak for, you know, I'm kind of going everywhere here. But all the doubts that some of you may have, like, well, where do I start? Or, you know, will I get away with this? Kids will think I'm stupid. Whatever the case may be. One, we got to throw that pride away. Because, you know, you think about all the biblical heroes, Jesus especially. I mean, they were persecuted left and right. They didn't even have a home, you know, to, to live in. And we have all those things. We're blessed with a bunch of stuff, and we, we have our jobs and all that stuff. And I think um, we're so afraid because we've been fed a lie, you know, our whole lives uh, as teachers. We've been fed a lie that, you know, you can't place God in school. 
and we disprove that every day. And Coach Shelby's talked about this before, the separation of church and state. I believe Thomas Jefferson was president. It's around 1800 or so. And that wasn't set up to keep church out of anything. That was set up to leave the church alone. Right. Uh, it, it wasn't to negate the church in, in society. That that's, Our society was built on that. And uh, so we can sit here and be afraid. You know, Satan will manipulate us, and he does it to me too. And I think that's the number one thing you got to look at first is I know so many people that – you know, I, I see the not today Satan shirts all the time, and we don't have. I mean, he's a very powerful being, and he has a lot that he can manipulate with. He can fool us. He can trick us. The good thing is, is that Jesus already did the work. He's already been defeated. So all it is is smoke and mirrors. We talk about that in the office all the time. Smoke and mirrors. That's all Satan has, and he shows us that, and we feel it, and we fear. We feel that fear, that anxiety, that stress, and. I'm going to lose my job or I'm going to get in trouble for this and kids won't accept me or I'll look stupid, whatever the case may be. The bottom line is this, and I've, I read it, you know, Ezekiel 33, and I wanted to read the last part of this starting in verse seven, um, because it doesn't really matter in the end. It doesn't really matter how we feel, what we're afraid of. We have a commandment from God to, to be the watchman here. And I just want to read this right quick in verse seven. Now, son of man, I'm making you a watchman for the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them for me. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sins and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. So we sit here all high and mighty. I know I've done this in the past where, you know, well, I, you know, I go to church, a church with some guys who have been in prison. And, you know, I've, I've, I know plenty of people like that. Most of us do. And I sit there, you, I could sit there, well, I've never been to prison, I'm better, or something like that. Or I don't do this sin that I see this other person doing, so I'm better off. Well, that's not, that's not the case here. Because even if I'm so high and mighty that I feel I'm, I'm not committing that sin while I'm watching it, if I don't call it out for what it is, I'm just as guilty, and I'll be held responsible because I didn't point it out. However, in verse uh, 9... But if you warn them to repent and they don't repent, they will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself. So regardless of how we feel, what we're afraid of, we are commanded to be that watchman. We are commanded to do this. And we can sit here and correlate this to anything, but these kids are our responsibility. We, we have been put in a position to be over thousands of kids in our career. And if we sit there, this, it's, it's no different than watching... Uh, an enemy army roll in to kill them and we just watch it happen i mean imagine the guilt you'd feel later on for doing that we some of us might be a coward run off whatever but imagine the guilt you would feel later on for that but you warn them and not only warn them but you've been preparing them like coach cook was saying you know they're the future too it's not just it's not just we're warning them but they're the army as well we're we're preparing the army in future generations to be watchmen, to be the protectors of the faith. And, right. you know, what, being a watchman isn't enough. Being a watchman and just sitting there and warning them, we've got to teach them. And, right. we, and, and with the best way to do that is obviously exemplifying it ourselves. Right. Um, you, and that's one thing I kind of want to add. This kind of going with me too. But, you know, you don't have to be that outspoken scripture every two seconds, all that stuff. You can be a man of faith, and there's a lot with just your character and how you – go about your day 
that impacts kids for right. in a positive way. You don't necessarily have to be a preacher. Right. I say one one last note on that uh, for me, Coach, is uh, you'd mentioned opportunity and then also how there's unique roles for everybody to play. Last week, I just felt the desire on my heart to have God help me with certain students. And it was really, a, I guess, challenging to describe, but I felt like someone needed prayer, but I didn't have, there wasn't somebody on a name or someone on a list. So I just said, okay, God, um, whoever it is that needs prayer or needs you, just please bring them to me tomorrow. And the one thing that this is, I'm encouraging somebody who needs to hear this is just start with that. Just say, God, please bring me a student or bring me something tomorrow to let me know this is what you want. And the one, the one, uh, I don't want to say catch, but important part is you need to have faith that God's going to do it because he moves through faith. And that example, I prayed, uh, two kids just randomly, they don't even class came into my class and said, Hey coach, can I talk to you about something? So immediately that, that prayer was answered because God had two kids that needed to speak about a, a very challenging situation going on in their life. And so for you, I have no idea what it is that that God's going to use you for, but for surely his work. So start with that to say, God, you have a purpose for me, a purpose for all your children. Just present that to me so I can know how to move. And then from there, the Holy Spirit will take you to step two and three. That's right. And you know, as John was talking, talking about the the devil's power, the the devil's power is in direct correlation to our obedience to prayer, to the word of God. Uh, a lot of his power is, it, it is true that God directs. He's sovereign. He's in complete charge. And even with Job, God had sent, you know, the devil said, go. You know, he told him the parameters of what he could and couldn't do. And sometimes God will do that. We have scripture that tells us that. But a lot of things that the devil's doing in our lives are because of our ignorance. Uh, Paul said to the church of Corinth, yet the Holy Spirit says we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. And if we understand what was really done at the cross and the defeat that took place there, that he does not have the power of death, hell, and the grave anymore. Mm. He doesn't even have the keys of his own house. If we understand that and we're truly walking with Jesus Christ, uh, the outcome and the, your life is going to look a little bit different uh, than the other side. And I'm not going to tell you it's going to be a nice, pleasant, but it will be a peaceful life because mm. Christ will be in the midst of the storm with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sitting here thinking in, in, about this prayer as we're talking that we have to pray. Our life must be a life of prayer. Without a life of prayer, we have no gas in the tank. We have no fuel. We can't go. We have no directive. And as I'm sitting here looking at Ephesians, and you guys know it in 6.12, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of darkness, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We wrestle. And when Paul, yet the Holy Spirit, was speaking this, was referring to something in the natural that he could see that correlates to what's happening in the supernatural, the spirit realm right now. And if you had two soldiers that were wrestling back in the day, they would either wrestle to the death or for sure wrestle till whoever got the upper hand would blind the, eye, the, the, the eyes of the other one, physically blind them. Most likely they would kill them, but they would blind them. Mm. And you've got to understand that many people by choosing not to engage in the fight choosing not to sound the alarm, the trumpet, as we started this, as we're getting ready to close this, that you have already surrendered to the enemy who has been defeated, 
But because you will not fight back with the weapons that God has told you to fight with, pretty, it's pretty simple. Surrender. It's pretty simple. Trust in God. Pray without ceasing. It's pretty simple. Because see, that's the beginning of what he will lead you to do. And it's course, there's a time that he'll tell you to get up and to go and to do things. But it all begins on the foundation of prayer, of faith in Jesus Christ. And if you will not pray spiritually, just like they did physically, when this was being written, will become blind. And you cannot even see the need. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you become a captive. And you know what? You can have a good life by the world standard in Babylon. You can be a slave. Oh, I don't know if anybody's listening or not, but this is pretty deep and I don't want to go here. Mm. But if you think for one second in this United States of America that you're free, I'm going to ask you to not pay your taxes. <laughs> I'm going to ask you not do that this year. Don't file them, don't pay them. And I'm going to ask you to send me a letter whenever they pick you up and put you in prison. You're not free. You're not free. We're only free in Christ. This world, Ephesians 2, Satan is the God of this world. He had, can't do anything without God giving him permission or telling him to do it. But because we are disobedient in our prayer lives and sounding the alarm, then we've given him a mighty upper hand in many of the lives of the people listening. And if you're not going to take this gospel into school, if he's got you in such a place to where you think, well, I can't because this, this, and this, then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make it very plain. Satan has you right where he wants you. Mm -hmm. You are a slave and you're blind. And I don't say that critically. Right. I don't say it critically at all. I say it as a good doctor would say, we can fix this, yet the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer in the name of Jesus Christ can set you free and put you right where you're supposed to be today. Amen? Amen. Amen. I, already, I already know the answer to this, but us three in this room, I know before we became saved, our life was a lot better. Our life was a lot easier. In the world, yes. Um, right, in the world, that's yes. what I mean. And. You know, one of my favorite verses, and I'm going to say this, but uh, it, it's so funny how people, we talk about, you know, having their um, uh, check mark for the week when they go to church on Sunday for an hour. And we talk about church is not just a building you check into. Uh, it's something you do all the time, every day. What we're doing right prayer, now. Prayer, right, this is church right here. And so I'm going to read, you know, James chapter one, verse two, two and three. You, yeah. And uh, because there's a part in here and I'm, I'm going to go real fast, but dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for a great joy. We're supposed to, when things happen to us, we're supposed to look at it as great joy because we're, we're learning something from it. Uh, we're getting something out of it. God is teaching us something in that moment. But the kicker with this verse that people skim over so much, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind I mean, come your way that's right. That's right. um and that coach shelby it, it hit me when you were talking about that because there's so many christians that go through life and everything's okay and my life's great and i was one of them for a long time and everything's great and then something hits you in the face and okay my faith wasn't near what it was what it should have been right because this says when troubles that means they're going to come that's right that means they're coming and it, and, and honestly if you don't have Something very regularly, I would say daily, but something very regularly affecting you, some, a spirit of anxiety, fear, stress, uh, something bothering you, something affecting you, something you're fighting, then you're not saved, bottom maybe, line. Maybe not affecting. It depends. On, I mean, maybe not affecting, yeah. but definitely attacking. Right. That's what I mean. Because yeah. yeah. you can re you re yeah. resist it. Yes. Um, 
But some, there's a struggle. But let's just be real. Let's be honest. It does. We do let it affect us, oh, too. Oh, yeah. We all give I in because we sin. I get down. I just I try not to be down more than a couple of hours or mm-hmm. five. But I do it. And then I start thinking, you ain't practicing what you preach, bro. Right. And that's you that's kind of my point with this mm-hmm. when Coach Shelby was talking about being blind. If you don't have troubles regularly, you're, you, you are Satan. Here, here's the bottom line. Satan is attacking you. You have evil spirits attacking you. If you don't feel that, if you don't, if you're not going through it, the struggle, mm-hmm. uh, facing them off, then you're not only blind; you're laying on your back and your throat's open. Right. Uh, you're in you're in big trouble because Satan's got like Coach Shelby said, you're right where you right where he wants you, because he is fighting you until you die. He's trying to get you, mm-hmm. and um, if we're not, you got to be. We just have to be aware of that. And I think there's so many people in Christianity in the church in America, and they're they just totally disregard the evil forces that are at work all the and it's a continual thing if you don't if you it, just imagine you know not praying with your kids every night you skip a night because something was getting them that day the satan does not get tired and he does him and his demons and his evil spirits they don't get tired and they don't quit and it's a continual fight and Amen. if it's not then you're on his side more or less and you don't know it. and that doesn't mean you're a bad person yeah uh you can be one of the best people on earth but that doesn't mean you're one of god's people and i think that's the thing i keep taking from this when we're talking so yeah and there's not much of a fight from the enemy if you're a part of his no. plan mm. <laughs> no he's that's, part of his that's, plan. that's why yeah. you're left alone because exactly he right. has you where he wants you i mean i'm smart enough to know that when i was in the world that if somebody was doing what i wanted to do um, I knew there were certain things, ways to manipulate. I knew there were certain tactics I didn't want to use. I didn't want to risk losing them on my side, mm. uh, accomplishing the agenda that I wanted. And I, we won't go into detail about that. But uh, the devil knows that. Mm. And, uh, you know, if you're not struggling to a degree, if you're not, if there's not some fights to, to, to fight, you're not if much you, of a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Right. And so, to, uh, to me, if you haven't had one... You know, you're trying to reach kids or people, adults, friends. If you hadn't had one kind of rebel against you, maybe you're not yeah. doing your part in pushing enough. Sound the alarm. No, the, the other thing, too, is in a time of personal peace, I think we also need to, to seek out Christ through others' mm-hmm. afflictions and say, okay, right. there's a lot of people that need my prayer and need my help. So, of course, Christ wants us to be happy with him. But in those times of personal peace, we got to say there's others that need us. And obviously the kids under our leadership yeah. told us to, to suffer with them, to share yes. with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Share Let's seek out yeah. those kids who need yeah. Christ and bear those burdens with them together. That's right. That's right. And I, just the one thing I wanted to add, the word peace to me, and I know to y'all, but it's not necessarily everything's great in my life. There could be something bad going on in your life. Peace is about knowing Jesus is with you right. and he's taking you through the storm. It's not necessarily I'm great. Everything's yeah. good. I don't have a worry in the world. no, you, you should have a worry in the world, but your peace is knowing that he's with you right. and he's always with you. And Jesus is always going to be where the work needs to be done. So congratulations when you go with Jesus. Hmm. Peace is only going to be found in the storm. The Lord spoke that to me mm-hmm. when I was at Calvary Academy. I was driving to school one day and he said, he said, peace is only found. And I don't remember if it was storm or the midst of the war. And what he told me, he said, peace is only found in the midst of the war. I'm right there in the middle of the battle. I was like, hmm. oh, yeah. Oh, so there's going to be arrows and stuff singing about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Ain't not one of them can touch a hair of your head till I tell it to. I'm God. Mm-hmm. I am that I am. Right. I mean, 
Look at Moses going before mm-hmm. Pharaoh. Oh, yeah. We can talk all the smack we want to talk, but you know how intimidating that must have been? Mm-hmm. You know how he had to muster up some strength and some prayer to face the most powerful king in the world who, according to everyone there, thought that they could probably kill him right on the spot. Mm-hmm. He comes up in there proclaiming the goodness of God, and I'm sure there was times in his mind he thought, this might be my last day. Mm-hmm. I think I've been set up here, but mm-hmm. but something compels, someone compels me, mm-hmm. the great I am compels me and I'm going to do it mm-hmm. and, uh, and I think for us too practically certainly he felt all sorts of fear but he still acted he still persisted and yeah. he still trusted God so if you're hadn't started yet and you're scared or whatever that's fine but don't let that prevent you you got to seek truth and you got to seek the courage of the Holy Works Spirit so the preaching the gospel is not it's not being obedient to God is not the absence of fear mm-hmm. it's the overcoming of fear right the absence of fear may be the very thing God put there to test your faith. Mm-hmm. The faith is not tested, it's not faith at all. So anyway, but we're getting into some stuff now. And yeah. We've been going for, I keep looking over these older eyes, see real well. At about We're about 40 minutes strong. So, uh, so anyway. Yeah. We had a deal. We're, we got to cut it off to keep it, keep yeah. it in a good time. So. <laughs> we're talking about you guys listening. So uh, we if you heard this part, the then we are wrong because we didn't think people would listen for 30 minutes. So uh, huh. anyway. So praise God. If one of you guys want to pray us out, then uh, we'll let it go, and we'll be talking to you guys next week. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the blessings you give us, God, and just thank you for your mercy, your grace, your love, and your forgiveness of us. And Lord, thank you for this podcast. Please just bless it as you see fit to reach whoever it needs to. And and, uh, any words we're saying that not are are a part of you and not part of the Holy Spirit, just let them fall on deaf ears and... Lord, just let this work to glorify you as best it can and help all Coaches for Christ out there do their best and remove fear from their hearts, from their minds, from their souls, and renew their mind and know that you are in control of everything and you will uh, put this in a way that, that works out for all involved, Lord. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.